Blog Talk Radio. Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart, encourages women from all stations of life and from every nook and cranny of our world from a biblical perspective. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Grace and peace, heart to heart. I wish you, as always, much grace and much peace. Today, we continue to snatch glimpses from A Mother's Heart by Jean Fleming. Once again, I'd like to say that Mary White authored the book's foreword, and in part, it says, Jean taught me the importance of giving extended time to review each child's strengths and needs, and then to make a plan to develop the strengths and meet the needs. I observed her encourage her children and stimulate them to develop physically, artistically, and socially. So whether we have thoughts, Teens, tweens, adults, or in-between children. Mothers benefit from the encouragement and support of one another. And, and the support and encouragement from others who may not be mothers. Fleming does just that. So I would like to pick up with a piece of information that I gleaned from reading, and that is that Ms. Fleming discloses that Norman Cousins, who used to be an editor of the Saturday Review, raised an important question at the time, and it is still a very important question. That question is, what happens to a nation when the family ceases to exist as the central and stabilizing unit in society. She says, certainly, the family no longer matches the stereotype of father, mother, and two or three children packed into a station wagon. The emotional structure of the family has changed radically. Families today often lack the sense of calling and commitment necessary for forming a cohesive, loving, supportive unit. Will the family cease to function as the central and stabilizing unit in tomorrow's society? Let's think about that for a moment. When we think about what's happening all around us, Do you think it will, or do you think it will not? Quality time for our children often defies advanced scheduling. We may fool ourselves to think that quality time is time scheduled for our convenience, but we won't fool our children. We cannot afford to neglect the everyday being their experiences and hope to make up the difference 
with occasional time scheduled in the future for our convenience. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm so sorry. I was fine. I don't know what happened. One more moment. <coughs> She continues, one evening last summer, I sat on our deck with the manuscript of this book spread out, struggling to find ideas and words to adequately communicate my concerns. Finally, after some frustration, a breakthrough came. My thoughts crystallized and I began writing feverishly. In the midst of my writing, my daughter came out to talk. She had just watched an episode of Little House on the Prairie and wanted to talk about how the parents in the show handled an incident. The story was ripe in her mind. She had to ask her questions and share her observations right away. So I set aside my writing and gave her my full attention. As we talked, I sensed the richness of this time for her. After 10 or 15 minutes, I returned to my pen and paper, wondering if our talk would have had the same quality if I had asked her to save it until bedtime. What do you think would have happened? Would we have captured the same intensity? Are you there to hold your child close when someone hurts his or her feelings? or to listen to something funny that happened in class, or to carry on a spontaneous conversation in the kitchen after school. You know, folks, I can truly relate to this. And, and perhaps you have a, an incident in your life that you can reach back to and, and also relate to. I remember one of my sons was about four. I had a very important meeting on this particular morning, I was working as a consultant, uh, so I wasn't <clears throat> at the office all of the time. Most of the time, I was home. However, this meeting was quite important, not only to the organization, but to me. But my son had a greater need. I'm so grateful that I was able to tap into that the Lord allowed me to see beyond what I was seeing as a, in, as a figure of speech. I could sense that there was something very, very huge about to happen. And so I, by the grace of God, called the organization and told them that I would not be able to come in. I gave my apologies, but I stayed home with my four-year-old. And much unfolded during the time, especially the early hours that I was home with him. So that was just something that I thought I would share in terms of, that was one, one, one point in my life 
that I did it right. There were many times I did it wrong. I don't want to get it twisted here, that I'm Miss Perfect because I'm far from that. And I'm sure you know that because I'm human, but I just want to make it known out of my own mouth that that was just one incident. And thankfully that I got I got it right that time because it has had overwhelming positive uh, results because he and I got it right. Okay, so let me move on and select another uh, portion of, of this book to share. I'd like to read this poem that she has included, that Miss um, Fleming has included in the book. And the poem is entitled, The Art of Giving by Wilfred Peterson. The question is asked, am I more spiritual, more loving, or more fun somewhere else? Who gets my best, my family, or others. And the poem begins. We give up ourselves when we give gifts of the heart, love, kindness, joy, understanding, sympathy, tolerance, forgiveness. We give up ourselves when we give gifts of the mind, ideas, dreams, purposes, ideals, principles, plans, inventions, projects, poetry. We give of ourselves when we give gifts of words, encouragement, inspiration, guidance. Emerson said it well. Rings and jewels are not gifts, but apologies for gifts. The only true gift is a portion of yourself. Wow. That's a little heavy. That's a little heavy. Okay. And then here's a section on balance. I've strongly stated the case for spending time with our children because this emphasis is needed today. However, certain balancing statements must also be made. A mother's world must not revolve only around her children. Children are not more important than God or our husbands. For their own well-being and the well-being of your marriage, children must understand that they come after your spouse. They need to know they fit into a secure place within an established set of relationships. This will help them develop a Christian concept of marriage. The rash of divorces now occurring after children leave the nest accentuates the need for continuing to build the marriage relationship above all other human relationships. Children are more important than housework, but parents must still do their work. While we want our children to know that they are more important than the house, we also want them to learn that everyone has work to do. 
We want them to remember a diligent, hardworking mother who enjoyed her responsibilities. She didn't always drop what she was doing to play. Children must also learn how to wait patiently. Mother is a person too. Children need to know that our strength and endurance are not limitless. Mothers do not exist solely for their children's benefit. They need and deserve time for themselves. Oh, beloved, oh, if you and I could just really catch that section, oh, deliverance would come. <laughs> I'm, I'm way beyond the point of little ones. However, that was a very hard lesson for me because I was burning it at both ends, trying to be the mom I thought God wanted me to be as well as the wife. I thought God wanted me to be and it little time for Zenobia. And then, you know, um, I guess with the encouragement of my husband, who he was always so encouraging, though, but with his encouragement, I began to dig out and little by little found myself being free. And my children, they definitely, definitely helped. The portion speaks about how children need to uh, have responsibilities as well to contribute to the family. Um, the families need to keep things tidy and running well was liberating for me. They didn't particularly like it, but they didn't uh, run from it. And so it really helped the household to run, to run better. We are coming up uh, towards the end here, and I just want to get a couple of more things in, and that's the idea of forgiveness. As parents, Jean Fleming says, our practical demonstration of forgiveness or the lack of it will largely shape our children's ideas about forgiveness, including God's forgiveness. This makes it extremely important that I not only experience God's forgiveness personally, but I, that I also learn how to mirror a spirit of forgiveness in my interaction with my children. Ah. Oh. Now, you know, I'm sharing things about me, so I want to share the fact that I grew up in a family, a loving family, but a family where we didn't necessarily say, would you forgive me? Or I'm sorry. Or have the attitude of forgiving one who might have, I won't say harmed me, but one who offended me or something that was said that offended me or that I offended him or her. And so it took me some time after becoming an adult, particularly once I got married, to start forgiving 
And I am so glad that I've, as old as I was, that I finally, finally learned to forgive and then to forgive my children. Now, I, I know I didn't do the best job there. At least in my eyes, I don't believe I did. I don't know what they would say. But when they asked me to forgive them, I forgave them. And one thing in our home, we, we strove, and I believe we succeeded in not bringing whatever the matter was up again. Because just as God says, your sins I will remember no more. We remembered, maybe we didn't forget, but it wasn't something we wore on our sleeves, and it certainly wasn't something that we brought up to to say, oh, well, just like you did such and such. You You did that before. No, 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 no. That would be very much uh, an example of unforgiveness. So let what Miss Fleming is saying to us resonate, and hopefully the few words that I have said about uh, my personal experience will also be beneficial. Okay. One more thing that I want to share from the book. And I do highly recommend the book. I just lost it. Okay. As a teacher, we mothers are teachers for sure. So as a teacher, and uh, Ms. Lemming says that the word teach or impress can be translated from uh, Deuteronomy 6-7 in several ways, including to point, to pierce, to prick, to teach diligently, and to wet, W-H-E-T. These words suggest something more than a dry presentation of the appropriate material. Our teaching should be full of life and force, full-bodied and savory enough to wet, W-H-E-T, our children's appetites for God. God can help us do this as we try to impart truth to our children. We can teach our children as we sit around the table at meals, huddle together by an open fire, relax with them over a good book, accompany them to school, hike a wilderness trail, stroll leisurely through a shopping center, and so many more activities. God wants us to be alert to opportunities to teach as we tuck our children into bed, sponge them with cool water when they are ill, or lie on their backs, our backs on the lawn and trance by dancing leaves overhead. This teaching must be natural and often spontaneous. God doesn't call us to give a polished presentation. He wants us to teach in the midst of the common everyday situations we all face as we share life with our children. 
And so there, there is so much more in this book, including uh, guidance for disciplining, and uh, that is certainly a important aspect of uh, mothering. And I, again, just recommend that you purchase this book. Now, I guess I would be amiss if I didn't say something about discipline. And so let me just quickly uh, include uh, some of her, her topics or subtopics under discipline. So she begins by saying that it is not a pleasant word, but we understand God's purpose and plan for discipline. In doing so, we won't be resentful when it comes to us, and we, and we can be even more effectively using it in the training of our children. Okay, so some of the subheadings would be uh, the fact that teaching and discipline are inseparable. Recognize the internal struggles that our children have. Identify the issue. Have realistic expectations. Be consistent. Talk to them. Talk to our children. Provide opportunities for our children to, to achieve success and follow through. Provide diversions for them. There's a, there's a time for spanking and there's a time for rewards. And remember, you are your child's parent. You are not your child's friend. You certainly can and are to be friendly, but a child, the typical age of a child, you're not his or her friend. And my beloved ones, I'm going to leave it there and hope that this has been beneficial to you. So have a wonderful evening, grace and peace from my heart to yours.